This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this post-holiday edition of Talk. And most people are back to work today, I think. And if you are among them, which I was, you may be ready to focus once again on the business of managing your investments, trying to make your money make money. Remember, you earn your money and then you want your money to earn money for you. That's the goal. We talk about that every day here and how to protect it while you're trying to grow is also important. And we also try to add beneficial stories to the mix, the kind of stories that, while informational, always have an angle that demonstrate how the topic of discussion can affect your money. Now, I'm Steve Peasley, and during this hour of Talk, I'm going to do my very best to answer your financial questions. Sure, you can call and ask about a certain stock you own. That's fine. Or maybe uh, you know, may following you know, whatever, whatever positions you have. And I also encourage you to inquire about a broad range of topics, anything financial. Because, so, you know, we want to inform and guide, and your questions serve to better educate the entire audience, not just you and about your stock. So with that said, we welcome your calls at 888-99-CHART. And coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about the things you should know concerning your credit, your credit score, I should say, your credit score, and how it's calculated. There's some misconceptions out there. Now, you know, credit scores is important because having a good or a great credit score can save you lots and lots of money. You can't. First, though, when Invest Talk, the radio program, ends each day, people think about what they've heard. They might go online to investtalk.com to learn more. And I encourage you that, encourage that you do that. I really do. And you know, you can call our 24-hour listen line anytime you want. But let's go to a live caller first. Let's go to Scott in San Jose. How you doing, Scott? Good, thank you. How are you doing? Thanks. I'm good. Thank you for the call. Um, I got a question about um, international market um, ticker VWO. That's Victor William Oscar, uh, and okay. just want to know your thoughts on uh, the international market. And I got this back in March, or probably at the peak, and it's been trending down. I uh, just want to know if yeah. I should get rid of it or should I buy more? Um, just your thoughts on the uh, okay. international market. Okay, this is Vanguard's emerging market uh, ETF, exchange-traded fund. Uh, so it's following their emerging market index, not necessarily international, Scott. International accounts uh, big, big like United States, part of the international fund. Europe, uh, you know, uh, China, all everywhere is international. But this is emerging market. That means smaller countries that are growing. That's what emerging markets are in. Okay, now, and you're right. They have been kind of beaten up recently. Uh, this was trading at $50 a share at the beginning of the year, and ever since then, it's been falling hard. It's now 41.74. And to be perfectly honest, it's a great diversification, Scott, in your portfolio. And I think it's got to be close to being done falling. I think it is. Um, it might get down to a 40 
I can see that happening because that's where it was about a year ago, right around $40, $39, $50, a share. But I think it's I think this is pretty close. If you need diversification, this would be a great place to diversify. But if the if we go into a bear market, the emerging market's gonna go with it. Okay. I don't think we're gonna go into a bear market. I think we're gonna have a nice run into the end of the year and the beginning of next year. But no, but for the summer, I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to have much. I, I think you, if it's not too big of your portfolio, I probably just hold on to it. If it's not too big, because it's already been falling hard. It's already fallen. It, of course, it could fall more, but I think I'd probably hold on to it for diversification's sake. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Scott. Now, according to a survey released last month, the percentage of consumers who are obtaining their credit score, in other words, want to know what their credit score is, over the past four years has been rising quite a bit. 2014, 49% of the consumers checked their credit score. Now it's up to 57%. So why are more people checking? Well, I think it's I think the greater number of consumers are realizing they have a that if they have a strong credit score, they can get they can get better, better terms on their on their loans. You know, the better your credit score, the better terms you get. Generally, it can save you lots and lots of money. So I think, I think is I think people are just getting wise to the idea that credit scores are important, and important to them personally. The survey also showed that people who get their score know much more about how the system works than those who do not. Okay, so that's interesting too. Uh, do you know what are the main factor is uh, uh, which which is used to calculate your credit score? One of the main factors, the one that probably count and it does count the most, and that's your missed payments. Eighty-six percent got that right. And what are what are the other things? So you got payment history. That's number one. But thirty-five percent of that, thirty-five percent of your credit score is based on payment history. Then the next one down, thirty percent. Amounts owed. Amounts of how much money you owe. Then the length of credit history. Then credit mix. And then new credit accounts. Those are the top things that go into your credit score. You know what does not go into your credit score? Whether you're married or single, that doesn't matter. Which I think most people think it does. And it does not. Okay, what does it do? Oh, a credit score or a FICO score, uh, it, it, it provides information to the people who are lending. And FICO scores range from 300 to 850 points. 300 to 850. Okay. One thing, I'll, I'll end this with one suggestion. Take good care of your credit. You never know when you might need a high credit score. You just never know. And for the record, if you get to a point when you know you are ready for a professional, unbiased, and experienced investing or real estate guidance, feel free to give us a call. Justin and myself, we are very well versed in these kinds of things, and we can help you. We want to help you. But now I invite you to, you know, for I invite you to give me a call on the anytime listener line number. The number is 888-99-CHART. So what's going to be our feature talking point today? How to make mini retirement without delaying your full retirement. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going to get to that. Because with the right planning, you can take some mid-career time off if you want. 
with the right planning. That's the key. And should you do this? Well, we'll talk about it. I also want to talk about good, bad and good news for the economy. Bad and good news. Be interesting. What will be the what will the next ten years be like for the stock market? I'm going to do some long-term prognostication, which is extremely subjective, right? But I want to talk about that. You know, based on you know, I was you've been, uh, you know, I look at history right a lot myself, and it kind of gives us, you know, what trends are can happen, and what valuations are for the stock markets over long periods of time. So I want to talk about that a little bit. And did you hear about, you know, we, we've been, it's been in the news, everybody's talking about the tariffs and a tariff war, a, a trade war, all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a, a, there was something that came out today that might hint at what, what President Trump's ultimate goal is and how he might achieve it. So I want to talk about that today too. 182 point, 182 on the Dow. That's how much it was up. 182. NASDAQ was up 84, and the S&P up 23. Pretty volatile market again. It is so interesting to watch. Uh, you know the, the the big gyrations of the market. I find it interesting, and I think it's instructive. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm on. I'm taking your questions now on our anytime this online. We can do. You know, we can and do talk about a wide range of topics, as long as they're financial. Specific stocks, to conditions of overall market, the economy, how overseas trading partners reacting to Trump and how that's going to hurt our economy, or is it going to help our economy? What will it do long term? Call me, 888-99-CHART. It's a Thursday Invest Talk. The summer seems to be racing by, and you've got investments to make. If you only knew how to fine-tune your strategy. Wait a second. You're going to be okay. Steve is here, and he's ready to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Elias from Danville. I'm 29, uh, again, new to investing. Uh, I have about one to $200 to invest per month. Um, no, it's not a lot. Right now, I contribute to a 403B at work at about 10%, and I opened up an IRA a few months ago that is allocated to various growth and value index funds that include like a large, small, mid, international, and emerging, emerging market fund, um, which is where right now where I put the $1 to $200 per month. And my question is, uh, should I continue to invest the $1 to $200 a month in my IRA, kind of like in a dollar cost averaging, or... Should I open up a separate brokerage account where I can collect the gains regularly? Uh, my overall goal is uh, long-term growth and early retirement. So basically, should my goal be to contribute the max to my Roth before I think about opening up a uh, brokerage account? Thanks. Bye. The simple answer is yes. Uh, I'd have to ask a few more questions, but generally, yes. You really want to put as much money away as you can earlier. The earlier you can put that money into the market, you know, in your lifetime, the longer it has, longer has to grow. And it's been proven over and over and over and over again that that's the best way to do it. Invest early as much as you can because it's the time factor that's the most important about investments. Time. You know, you, you, you hear everybody, everybody's trying to win the lottery. Everybody, and even in the stock market, I'm looking for that stock that's going to, you know, 
make me a bazillion dollars. No, that's not how you manage a portfolio stocks. That's not how money grows normally. You know, it grows steady and over time. And one of the reasons why I like dividend stocks is they pay you, they, they, the earnings that the companies make is being paid to me as the owner of the company. And I want that money. So that, that's a good way to do it. But it takes a long time. It's not a quick and easy solution to get rich. If you want to try to get rich, you go to Las Vegas, you play the lottery, and then lose all your money that way. Right? How many people do you know has won the lottery and made millions of dollars in Vegas? Nobody. No. I'm not saying don't go to Vegas or don't play the lottery, but don't use any significant money. That's vacation money and that's spare change in your pocket. But most of your money, all your extra spare money should be invested in the market and a dollar cost average approach is a very good way to do it. Very good way to do it. So I think you should pat yourself on the back. The one thing I don't know about you, which would be helpful, is how old you are. You sound young, but I don't know that. And the younger you are, the better, because you have more time. Yeah, I, I do like your 401k, uh, your, I'm sorry, I do like your Roth IRA, because you already have the, I think you said 403b, which is, you know, your work retirement account, and that's probably, um, uh, after tax, you know, that's probably money that is growing that you're going to have to pay taxes on eventually. The Roth, you, all the growth you have in the Roth, you'll never have to pay taxes on. So I kind of like that. I like that idea. Have them both. I like having both. If you're a regular listener to Invest Talk, you likely know that from time to time I go to the extra, I, I try to go the extra mile to make it easy for listeners to get a one on one personalized portfolio advice from me. And I do meetings, as you know. I enjoy meeting with folks and look forward to my next slate of portfolio reviews coming up on July 18th. I'll be in San Jose. You can register register on investtalk.com if you want to meet with me. There's no cost. But now our lines are open. So you can give me a call right now and ask any question financially you want. 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk on the radio, streaming live at investtalk.com, and available 24 7 via archived podcast. Invest Talk can help you grow and protect your money. One way for you to get started is to check out the variety of specially crafted investment programs offered by KPP Financial, and they're all explained at investtalk.com. But now, let's get back to Steve as he welcomes your calls, 888 99Chart. Okay, how would you take, how would you go about taking a mini retirement without delaying, delaying your full retirement plan? Mini retirement means taking a few months off. You know, a lot of teachers take sabbaticals, but the rest of us don't do that. A sabbatical is where they take sometimes up to a year off. Okay, you can do it too. You can, but you have to plan for it. You just can't just one day decide I'm going to quit. Okay, I'm going to quit. You can't do that. First of all, you got to make sure your assets that you okay, you're going to have to start putting money away for that period of time. Okay? You got to have the money set aside from all other expenses and all other types of living 
situations, retirement accounts, and all that. Besides all that, you now have to set money aside for a separate savings account for that mini retirement. You're going to have to plan it far in advance. When I say far, I mean 10, 15 years in advance. Long time. And all this time, you got to still keep your nest egg for your full retirement growing. you got to keep it active. you got to keep doing that. You can't just ignore it. Okay, so this is what you do. Starting now, you start, set up a separate account, and this is your mini retirement account. Okay, you start putting money in it. How long your mini retirement lasts depends on how much money you're going to be putting aside, how much you can put aside. But you have to start doing it early, and you can't. It's going to take a long, long time. You have to be prepared for that. And then, of course, that we aren't even talking about your regular career in getting the time off. Some, if you plan it far enough and you talk to your employer, some will let you do it. Depending on the, the job you do and who you work for, many of them won't let you do that, take that much time off. But if you're a great worker, they will. They, I would. Let's go to Goal in Fremont. How you doing, Goal? I'm doing fine. Just enjoy your show on my drive back home. I had a question for oh, you good. on Geely, and it looks like all the Chinese stock is starting to pick up, except for Geely that went down today to some 48-something, and I just wanted your take on that. Okay, this is uh, Geely Automotive Holdings. Okay, uh, let me pull that up. Why? I'm typing in a bunch of my software. Okay, that's not coming up on that piece. Hmm. Gilead Automotive Holdings, it is a, let's see, let me, what, what can I find out about it here? Yeah, this is this fell hard today even. In a big update today, it was down almost 4.5%. Uh, it's not doing well. It, it has everything to do with... Uh, uh, coal, coal. Uh, everything to do with tariffs. You know, it's out of China and it's automotive, and everything to do with the the battle over tariffs. China's whole market is now in a bear market, and you're, that's what you're dealing. Even though it, it trades here in the United States, it's still all about what's going on in China, and the the bear market they're having is really have an effect on the broader market. Yeah, you got stocks moving up, but if you look at the whole market, it's going down. Where this one would stop, it looks like it has lots of support coming up here, about $45, $46 a share, and it's at $48.50. Do you know why? It looks like it gaps up and down a lot. It moves very erratically uh, a lot, That and it looks like the trading volume is very, very small. Okay, I only did 24,000 shares today and went down 4.5%. That's very low. So it, that kind of volume means it's going to spike up and down. It's going to be very erratic for you. And it has everything to do, everything to do with the quote-unquote trade war that we're having or not having or in the middle of with China. And most of their stocks are kind of suffering. So that's where your problems are. Go, appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's go to Lee in San Mateo. How you doing, Lee? Oh, just fine. Thank you for taking my call. I really Thank you. Uh, appreciate your advice on retirement plan. I thought 
I wish I would have known that. Uh, I'm retired about five years or so now. Okay. Anyway, I'm calling okay. uh, today because I would like to talk on uh, investing in uh, treasury notes. What is the best way uh, okay. of, you know, is, is that safe or is there something else that is even safer than treasury notes? Okay, there's absolutely nothing in the world safer than treasury notes. It's absolutely safe, okay? So you cannot get safer than that. So if you buy treasury notes, you're going to be absolutely safe, okay? You can buy them direct from the treasury, called Treasury Direct. You can, you know, they get that information. It's not very difficult. You can get that information called Treasury Direct, unless they change the name. And you can buy them, you can go to your bank. Your local bank can help you do that as well. If you want to buy the treasuries yourself. You can also buy them in an ETF or from a mutual fund, but I would suggest you buy them yourself directly because there's virtually no cost if you're going to do treasuries. Okay? Tomorrow on Invest Talk, why travel stocks could be in trouble just as the vacation season begins. With prices climbing faster than wage gains, we have the makings of a slowdown in consumer spending. That's just one topic for tomorrow's program. But for, but for now, I'm Steve Peasley. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? poor timing, and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, and they hope you're aware of a special upcoming opportunity to get a free portfolio review. It's from KPP principal and Invest Talk host Steve Peasley. Save the date, July 18th. Steve will be conducting one on one reviews in person in San Jose, California, but space is limited, so please register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, so give us a call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, bad and good news for the economy. Bad and good news, okay? Now, why, why bad news is because the new bad news is companies, companies, are still not spending, not spending their money on themselves to grow their business, to get new uh, equipment, new computer software, they're not spending very much. How do we know that? Well, you can figure it out by as, as a percentage of GDP. Okay, in the early 80s, 1980s, it peaked 
at 13% of GDP. Corporations spending money on themselves to, to build new factories or buy new equipment, whatever. And that was 13%. In the recession of 2008, it fell all the way to 7%. Today, 8 and 3 quarters percent. That's a percentage of GDP. And why it used as a percentage of GDP? Because in absolute dollars, they're spending more money. But that really doesn't mean a lot because they're growing their income and everything else when you're trying to grow the entire economy, right? The whole economy is growing. Therefore, you need more manufacturing, you need more spending. And it should be a percentage of the size of your economy, what you spend on new equipment. So why is that good news? I just told you the bad news because it's not, not very much. The good news is they got a lot of catching up to do. If they spend the money, if they do, it will prolong the economic cycle or prolong the stock market cycle. That's the good part of spending too little because they got to catch up at some point. Some point they're going to have to spend more money to stay competitive in the world. And and Trump is is giving them the opportunity to spend more money by lowering taxes and allowing them to bring money back to the United States to reinvest in themselves. So. Hopefully, they won't keep doing stock buybacks. Okay, I know stock buybacks are good for us investors, but I'm talking long-term. We want the companies to spend money on themselves. Okay, it, it makes perfect sense, and it's good for everything. There's a great thing about our anytime listener line number. It never closes. Now, here's a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you very much for taking the call. My question is relating to uh, Whitting Petroleum, W-L-L, Whitting Petroleum. Uh, it is one of my favorite oil and gas companies right now. Just wanted your opinion on it, as well as uh, if you could please explain just your analysis on the, the correlation between crude oil prices moving and fluctuating uh, and the volatility that surrounds crude oil prices and some of those oil companies and how it affects them. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Okay, the cycle of the oil industry is what you're really asking about. And Whiting Petroleum Corp represents that cycle pretty clearly. Symbol WLL is engaged in exploration and production of oil and gas, primarily in the Permian Basin and Rocky Mountains. And <clears throat> recently, sales are really doing well. Well, of course, because oil prices are really high. Therefore, you probably missed most of the run. Okay, last September, last September, the stock was $17, and $17 a share. Today, it's 51 Okay, so you that, that run up anticipated the high prices of oil today. So, you always, 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 always have to look forward. So, looking forward today... Do you think oil prices are going to continue to rise? That's really the question you have. If it is, if you say yes, then these kind of stocks will continue to work. I'm going to say no. I don't think they will continue to rise. I think the, you're probably looking at a peak in oil prices or close to it. Uh, and therefore, you're probably looking at a peak in this kind of company. Okay, so I would not get too excited about it. They're going to make... $2.91 this year, then $3.31 next year. That's after losing money for four years in a row. Okay, so now they're going to make $3.31, and it's a $51 stock. 
Okay, so that means it's about 16, 17 PE. That's a normal PE. I don't, yeah, I, I see no, I think you're too late to the game on these kinds of stocks. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm very glad you've chosen to listen to me here on investtalk.com radio. I appreciate it. Please remember that when the program ends, it will be archived in podcast form on investtalk.com. Uh, we do this so you can revisit the topic or listen to the show again or share the broadcast. You know, uh, with I would love for you to share with family and friends. Appreciate that. You can listen to the podcast online, download it, listen to it anytime you want, when you're at the gym or just walking around or in the car, whatever. Uh, but we've got time for more questions. So now's the time to call 888-99-CHART. If you live anywhere in Northern California, July 18th will be your chance to take advantage of a no-cost investment portfolio review with InvestTalk's Steve Peasley. Appointments are limited, but there's still time to register if you act soon. So get started on the path to your free portfolio tune-up and begin maximizing the potential of your investment dollars. Go to investtalk.com, on the InvestTalk menu link, scroll down, then click Portfolio Review. Got a question for Steve now? Give him a call, 888-99-CHART. I'm wondering if you could answer my question regarding cash flow. I've heard you talk about cash flow for a while now, and I've started to using that in my metrics, and it's certainly making it, making it a little easier for me, but I'm, I'm not sure what metric you like specifically. Is it price to cash flow, price to free cash flow? Is it cash flow per quarter, you know, so many billions of dollars? Is it cash flow per share, you know, three dollars in cash flow per share, something like that? Just wondering if you could give us your favorite metrics that maybe rank some of those, and also if you could show us uh, how you would uh, evaluate cash flow, uh, that'd be great. We can watch it on the live stream. Thanks again. Bye. Well, there's, as you just, as he just pointed out, there's many ways to look at cash flow. So you have to determine which one is the best for the sector and stock that you're looking at, because different sectors treat cash flow differently as far as how much free cash flow is worth. I like free cash flow. I also like price to sales ratios and price to cash flow ratios. Remember, cash flow is the money that's coming in, what's flowing into the company. And so that I mean, you can't have earnings without that flow, right? you got to have that cash flow coming in, and you'd like to see it growing. Now, you can't see it growing all the time, depending on the, what type of stock. For instance, if you're looking at a huge blue chip stock, you're not going to see much growth. You're just not because it's too big. Small, fast-growing stock, you'll see that too. But it might not, free cash flow might not be there in a small, fast-growing stock because they're plowing in more money into the company and they're eating up all that cash flow. It's not free yet. It's being used just to grow the company. So I like free cash flow and price-to-sales ratio and price-to-cash-flow ratio, price-to-cash ratio. You know, and I, it's always per share kind of items on those, you know, what, when I'm talking about it. So, good question, but it's a pretty in-depth topic. It really is. So, I'm not going to be able to answer it, you know, very clearly or very in-depth here. What will the next 10 years look like for stocks? Okay. 
I think we have a situation right now where the market is generally overvalued and it's going to revert to the mean at some point. That means valuations will eventually to show that the stock market will not rise nearly as much as it has in the last 10 years. It's got to revert to the mean at some point. Then you add in the, th the, the headwinds we're faced with. Now, you've got interest rates rising. Okay, we have an environment. Now, I'm not talking about the Fed raising rates tomorrow and or last week. and uh, I'm talking about in general. We've had very low interest rates, right, before before the recession, then after the recession, super low interest rates, down to zero. Okay, well, for 30 years before the recession, they were falling. Now they got to zero. Well, have you noticed they're on their way up since then? It's a slow, long-term process. It's going to take years. But that is a headwind, a general headwind for stock prices. Okay, so you have that. Then you have these trade disputes going on now. And that's going to affect, if the trade disputes last a long, you know, a year, two years, three years, that's going to have a long-term effect on stock prices too. But it's more, I think, the more pervasive underlying headwind of rising interest rates and the overvaluation of stocks in general is going to hold back your returns for the next 10 years. Does that mean you can't make money? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, you still will probably make money. But you're not going to make the money that we've seen in the last 10 years. You know, it's going to be harder, in other words. Indexing will struggle. That's where, you know, everybody loves index. I'll buy an index and just follow that. And, you know, and, you know well... When there is a bull market in the market, indexing works great. Notice index is not working so good this year. It's not very, very, it did work great last year. It, it struggled, and it's probably going to struggle going forward for a while. Yes, you'll have your run-ups and your run-downs. I'm just talking in general. You're not going to do as well. And the market's probably going to revert to the mean. And I think we all have to kind of reset our mental targets. Okay? Listen while you pick up your phone to call the program. I'll get to the call. And here's a call that came in earlier. You know, it's always coming on. You can call anytime you want on our anytime, anytime listener line number. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Jim from Sarasota. I was wondering today if we could get your opinion on a PIMCO multi-sector bond fund, PCN, Peter Kett Nancy. Uh, it's a corporate and income strategy fund. It has about an 8% yield, pays out monthly. Uh, year to date, it's up 8.75%. Three year, almost 18. Five year, 13. 10 year, 14 and a half. And 15 years, it's up an average of 12.6% a year. It is a closed-end fund. They do use some leverage. I'm looking at it as a long-term investment for 10 years plus, looking not to lose money, looking for the income. They seem to do well in a rising rate environment. What do you think? Or better yet, what am I missing? What are the risks, if any? Thank you. Okay, PIMCO Corporation Income Strategy. 
it, it closed in fund. Closing in funds means there's a finite number of shares traded. They don't have a like most funds that are not closing, an infinite number of shares, and therefore they trade at the net asset value exactly because they keep issuing more shares if there's more demand, okay? In a closing fund, if there's more demand, well, we only have a million shares, that's it, whatever number of shares are in the float. This one is what? Uh, 39 million shares out there. And that's it. They don't issue more shares. So if there's high demand for the positions they own, the value of the of the fund, which right now is $17.91, will go up. If there's no demand, it can go down. Now, they pay a very nice dividend of 7.5%. I'd have to do a bit more research and see if that's if they're actually making that money. This is the key to when, when funds and ETFs pay a very high dividend. Where is the money coming from? Because they could pay back your own money. When you bought the stock, they can give it back to you and say, we give it back to you in the form of a dividend. So they need to earn the money. So I'm sure this is a combination of you know dividends and debt obligations because that's what it is. Debt meaning bonds, corporate bonds. So uh, how much does that pay? 7.5% right now is what they paid last year. That's pretty darn high. So you want to make sure it's in the form of cash that they are getting and the dividend is not being paid out of their, you know, their capital structure. They're, they're not paying back your own money. But as uh, far as performance, it's done very, very well. And, and uh, if the environment, if you're in a rising, raising rate environment, as long as it's slow, that means you can continue to reinvest your money in the, and more and more higher paying, div, uh, higher paying bond yields. It works fine. Where the danger is, is if the rates spark up, really take off. And I need to look at it if they have junk bonds inside. That big danger is in a recession because they have very much higher default rates than high quality bonds. So look inside this and see what kind of quality of bonds that they have. Okay, and if there are tons of junk bonds and small companies issue your biggest fear will be in the next recession where it could lose half its value. So you want to look at that carefully, okay? Hard to believe, but the 4th of July has already come and gone. It's gone. That was yesterday. That's okay. We've still got plenty of summer to share with family and friends. And I've still got 10 minutes left in the show live. So please call 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Invest Talk, why travel stocks could be in trouble just as the vacation season begins. Learn more tomorrow on the radio or via live stream from investtalk.com. But now, Steve is ready and waiting for your calls, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, I was just wondering, could you please uh, just discuss crude oil prices? Uh, maybe where do you foresee uh, crude oil going in the, the near future? Uh, maybe some uh, geopolitical uh, stances and, and maybe your opinion uh, just on crude oil. And then also with that, could you just uh, discuss the uh, the dollar index and its correlation to uh, crude oil? Uh, typically, uh, they move inversely of one another. 
uh, but recently they have been uh, moving in the same direction. And uh, I, I don't quite understand uh, why that would be the case, uh, but just curious as to uh, what your uh, opinion is on the correlation between crude oil and the dollar index. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah, he's right. Usually the dollar, when the dollar goes up, crude oil prices don't go up with it. And we've had both, both in the last few months, two, three months, where the dollar's gone up in value and crude oil's gone up. Remember, crude oil is valued in U.S. dollars around the world. Okay, uh, so when the dollar goes down, usually crude oil prices would move up. Now, obviously, it's not all the time. There's not a perfect correlation. So why has crude oil prices gone up and dollar gone up? Mostly because of, of, of trade tensions. You know, going back about two or three months ago, you know, trade tensions between our trading partners and the, got much more coverage in the news than it was before that. You know, and of course, OPEC has a, a role to play, but their role is, so, is not nearly as strong as it used to be anymore. Um, they could usually used to be that they could OPEC could usually decide to cut production or raise production, and the price of oil would go up and down. Now, with the U.S. being the largest producer of oil and still growing, we have more supply than we need. So why isn't crude oil prices falling? And you know, remember everybody's looking forward. Maybe they see something we don't down the road. Maybe they feel that the dollar is too strong now. It's going to fall, and therefore I'm going to keep bidding up oil prices. You just don't know. Uh, but in general, you're absolutely right that dollar goes down, oil goes up, dollar goes up, price of oil goes down. But not this time. Not in this two, three-month cycle. We haven't seen that. Remember, the dollar fell almost all last year. Do you remember that? It fell almost last year. Went sideways from February to like April. And then starting in late April, started to rise. And it's now seemingly topping. So I think we've seen a peak in oil. I think we've seen a peak in oil prices. Something dramatic has to happen to drive oil prices higher. Okay? And I don't know what that would be. And... You know, talking about trade wars, did you see what the offer was from the United States to the EU? The United States offered a zero solution, that's what it's being called, on car tariffs with the European Union. It said, the U.S. agreed to stop any tariff talk on imported cars from the EU if the EU drops their tariffs on U.S. cars Imported to the EU. Doesn't that sound eminently fair? You don't charge us tariffs. We won't charge you tariffs on cars. It's that easy. And believe me, there's a lot of cars coming from Europe, especially from Germany. But you got cars from Italy. You got cars from you know different countries, but not all the countries. So the point is, is why are you charging tariffs on our products and? and not expect us to charge tariffs on your cars. Well, why is that? So I, I kind of like it. But what this might signal that's more important to me is how Trump is going to go about trying to settle these kind of tariff disputes. He may do it piecemeal like this to get the best deal he can for whatever 
line of products he thinks is important. That's possible. But he's willing to negotiate, obviously. I find, I find this pretty fascinating, this whole topic. As I said before, I don't think we're going to be in a full-blown trade war. I think what Trump is doing is producing leverage. Producing leverage so that then he can go back and say, okay, I, I'll do this if you'll do that. That's uh, pretty much what he's doing in my mind. That's it for today. Another Invest Talk radio show recorded for posterity. And, of course, transmitted via broadcast, via radio waves. And, of course, it'll be on, you know, podcast. You know that. Anyways, and, of course, your participation always makes it possible and fun. So let's do it again tomorrow, Friday. I'm Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you very much for being with me today. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.